0: about a very important flow of the Spirit. And um, I want to begin in Romans chapter 15. I want to look at two scriptures in Romans that help us to recognize the spiritual flows of the kingdom in which we are positioned. Amen? Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 says that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Notice that in our faith, in our believing, there are two companions that are important. He specifically identifies joy and peace in the believing. That this Desire of God, the God of hope, His desire is to fill us. His desire is that we be filled, that we be full of joy and peace as we are walking through this walk of faith. As we are believing, joy and peace are evidences that we're in faith. Joy and peace are symptoms that you can look for. If you want to find out, am I actually in faith? I can look for the symptoms. Do I have the symptom of joy? Do I have the symptom of peace? They are evidences. They are markers that help us identify we are actively operating faith because joy and peace, the companions of faith, are here present operative with me. It also, if you'll back up one chapter to chapter 14 and let me read verse 17, it says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. He's talking about outward expressions or outward um, rules and regulations because people can keep the outward rules and regulations and not be operating in the flow of the kingdom. Amen. There are a lot of people who uh, pray very disciplined prayer lives, but they're not praying to the same person we pray to. And they're not getting the results that we get because they're not connecting and honoring God. They're not connecting their spirit to the Lord. But they are, are, are disciplined in that outward action. So the, the outward is not the flow of the kingdom. He said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy. These are Flows of the kingdom. These are our currents of the kingdom. Spiritual currents, supernatural currents. And so we're not just the exercising the outward uh, uh, expressions of honoring God. Those are going to be a part of it. But the more important part of it is what's in our heart. The flows of His Spirit having the ability to direct us and to govern what we're going through in our day. Amen? What we're experiencing in our day. So these, this righteousness, joy, and peace, I want us to look specifically tonight at the importance of joy and go back to Nehemiah, which is uh, an a important scripture when you're talking about joy because it identifies it, outside of the realm of emotions. Now, when people only think of joy uh, from an emotional standpoint, they will think that they give expressions of joy when they have some great, wonderful thing happen to them. That joy is this exuberance that comes because of a breakthrough that happens or an answered prayer that happens or a raise on the job or something that we, we were believing for and boom, it happens, so now I've got joy. But that is an emotion, a response to something that happens. The word happy is a Latin word that comes from the root word hap and it's based on what happens. So when a person only expresses these expressions when something good happens, that would be more accurately happiness. If they say, I can be happy if this would happen. I would be happy if this would happen. What they're saying is my ability to express that emotion of happiness is limited to and based on the occurrence of these certain things if this was in my life, if I had this paid off, if I was out of debt, if, if I had this kind of job, if I was making this amount of money, if this was going on in my marriage, if, 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 if that would happen, then I would be happy. See, the happen is where the happiness comes from. That's not joy. That's not joy. Joy is supernatural. Galatians 5 lists The fruit or what is produced out of your spirit, your born-again spirit by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of joy is supernatural just like the fruit of love is supernatural. When we see Galatians chapter 5, go ahead and pull that up on the screen, mark it in your notes. Galatians 5 verse 20 uh, through 22, it talks about these characteristics of God's Spirit that are in us because we're born again. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, that's not talking about human emotion of love. Go over to 22, uh, 522. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, that is not talking about the emotion of love that we feel from an emotional standpoint. When we get born again, we have God's love. God is love. He doesn't just have love. It is who He is. God, he, he operates faith, but God is, in essence, He is love. And it's not an emotion of love that's based on how somebody makes me feel or how good somebody has been to me or that emotional uh, uh, connection or affection that I have. It is a supernatural force. Of love that when we read from first Corinthians thirteen it 's not easily offended. well you know that 's not emotional, right right? It says that it takes no account of a suffered wrong you know that 's supernatural that 's not of the origin of the flesh because the flesh is taking notes, taking names, and taking notes, keeping record right so this is talking about a supernatural love of God that is in the believer because we're, we're born again. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and then it brings up joy and it brings up peace. Well, again, they are not, it is not a natural peace that comes from an absence of chaos in our life or a serenity in our life. It is a supernatural peace that passes all understanding, the Bible says. The peace of God passes understanding. In other words, people will look at you and say, How can you be at peace in a time like this? Because they're ready to pull their hair out. They are all tore up from the floor up. They are, are feeding on the chaos and feeding on the turmoil and feeding on all of the uncertainty. And they're making statements like these are uncertain times. Not when peace that passes all understanding is guarding the heart and guarding the mind. And I'm quoting from Philippians chapter 4. Amen. That peace of God is supernatural, and it is a current that is spiritual. It is a force that is spiritual. And it's supposed to be in our heart and in our mind, governing and guarding like a Roman uh, group of soldiers guards. It sets up a mount, a garrison, the Amplified says, mounting guard over the heart and over the mind. Do you think we need that? Amen? Well, that's peace. Well, in the same way, joy... ...is supernatural. It is a flow of your born-again spirit... ...by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you... ...and it is for a specific purpose... ...so it cannot be overlooked... ...or considered to be insignificant... ...because it is actually in the list second. Love, joy. It is second. I, I consider this list to be in importance... ...because love is the greatest commandment, Right? Love is the most important thing for us as believers to develop in personally and in interaction with each other in the body of Christ. We're going to be living by the love command for eternity. We're not going to leave earth and get to heaven and God says, Oh, you know that love thing? You can disregard it. You don't need it here. No, it's going to be in place for all of eternity, so we might as well get skilled in it, right? We might as well become proficient in walking in the love of God. Well, joy is in second place in this list and this is significant to our lives and Nehemiah answers the question, why is it so significant? Nehemiah 8 and let's look together at this. And um, when we look at where we are in this text, they are rebuilding a city of of God, the Jerusalem, they are rebuilding the walls, rebuilding, reestablishing because they had been taken captive and now they've been released to go back and to rebuild the temple of God and to rebuild the city. And they've got a lot of opposition. They've got a lot that they have let slip. And so as they are there, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah and some of the other leaders have this group, this gathering of the people together, and they began to read the word. And as they read the word, the people began to weep. And I would imagine that maybe they found out where, how far they had missed it. And they found out how far off they were. And so they began to weep. And the leaders ran, the leaders stood up and said, Stop, stop, don't know, no. That's the inappropriate response for today. This is not the day for that response. This is not the proper response in this occasion, in this situation. And then he says this. He said in verse 10, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. So he's talking about a celebration. He's talking about a feast. He's talking about this is not the time for crying. We need to prepare a a celebration Uh, a a meal, a feast where we are celebrating. He said, For this this day is holy unto our Lord. This day is holy unto our Lord. This is a set-apart day. This day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. One translation says the joy of the Lord is your defense. It's your strong tower. Hallelujah. A well-fortified place is a a definition that's found in the Strong's Concordance for this word uh, strength. A well-fortified place, a defense. The joy of the Lord is a defense. The joy of the Lord is a well-fortified place, a place where you can get into the joy. I was watching a a documentary on castles, and they had a castle in um, Scotland, and this castle was so well-fortified, and at the time they had not yet created the different uh, uh, weapons that could batter down the the doors or launch things over to to tear down the walls this this castle was so well fortified that they there was a an attack on this castle and they lived in that castle because they had supplied it with all of the food that they needed they lived inside the castle walls and went on with their life over a year and a half until help came They weren't worried about the enemy camped around them. They weren't worried about all of the forces and the armament and the weapons they had out there. Why? Because it couldn't reach them. They were in a well-fortified place. And he says in this scripture that joy is a defense. Joy is a well-fortified place so that we can get in the place of joy and the enemy can't breach the walls. We can get into a place of joy and the weapons that he has formed against us won't be able to prosper against us because the joy of the Lord is providing a defense for us. The joy of the Lord is protecting us from what the enemy has to launch against us. Amen? So joy is important. So because joy is important, the people of God must be skilled in joy. We must be skilled and proficient in joy. We've got to, and to be skilled in anything, you've got to practice it. You've got to practice. You know, uh, you take an a, a NBA a basketball player who is skilled at the free throw or skilled at the layup. That, that was not the first time they did it when you saw it on TV and you thought, wow, that was impressive. They've done it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, thousands of times. They have shot that ball from that angle. They have done that layup. They practiced it and practiced it and practiced it until they became skilled at it. When you see a, a concert pianist sit down at the, uh, at, at the key's and they began to play with their eyes closed—a a, a concerto, a a a a, a full-length uh, uh, work of a masterpiece of music. And you, you listen—that wasn't the first time they sat down at the keys. They didn't start last month. For them to be at the level that they could close their eyes and play Bach, they have practiced and practiced until they know those keys with their eyes closed. And not only what the keys in front of them are, but they know the notes of the music that they're playing because they're intimately acquainted with it. They've spent time with it. We've got to be so acquainted with joy. We've got to be so intimate with the flow of joy. We've got to become so accustomed to having the joy of the Lord and the peace of God in our life that nothing else is acceptable to us that anything that comes to try to violate our peace, we will pick up our joy defense and we will resist that because I will stay in that place of the flow of the kingdom of God where joy and peace and righteousness are dominating the flow of my life because this is the plan that God has for us. Amen? But it's not going to happen if we just practice joy when we come to service. When we just practice joy, if there's a great song that's our favorite, amen? If we just practice joy occasionally, we're not going to be proficient in joy and we're not going to be accustomed to it in our life. But we want to be people who are are professional where the flow of joy is concerned. Psalm chapter 95, look at Psalm 95 1 and I want to show you just a few uh, uh, scriptures that give us instruction how to be proficient with joy. Psalm 95.1 says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Make a joyful noise is a phrase that is used in many places in the Psalms. Psalm 98 4 is another place that we find this phrase make a joyful noise. It begins with that instruction make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. So the joyful noises are applicable to every person on the earth. Every being on the earth, it applies to us. Make a joyful noise to who? To the Lord. Making joyful noises to the Lord is always acceptable. You don't have to sing good. You don't have to have a great range in your vocal uh, 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 chord. You don't have to be able to keep it on pitch, even. You could be singing off key, and everybody else might put their hands over their ears and say, Keep that for the shower. But if there's joy in it, God says, bring it. Bring it to me. If there's joy in that noise, I like it. I like joyful noises. They don't have to be beautiful to the human ear, but if there's joy in it, it is beautiful to God's ear. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Psalm 100 also uses this. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. The message Bible. I think we have the message now. Let's pull up the message. Do we have, was message one of them yeah. that we added? The message Bible says, I like this phrase, bring a gift of laughter. Look at that. On your feet now. Applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Well, we don't applaud God with our hands because that is for men. And God is worthy of more than a hand clap. Amen? We applaud Him with our words. We bring Him honor. It says a gift of laughter. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of people only have approaches to God that are sad. And the only time there should be sadness in our approach to God is if we've missed it somewhere and we need to repent. And we should deal with that and get it all over with, Right? God's not interested in you coming before Him somberly all the time, so sad, so so down, so out, Lord, I'm just so unworthy. That doesn't honor Him. That's not in line with His Word. He would rather us come with a gift of laughter. Amen, Amen. a gift of laughter. He thinks that's a gift. And when we come before the Lord and say, Good morning, <laughs> Lord, You've been so good to me. Lord, you've been so good to me. Just laughing with joy in your heart to the Lord because he's been so good to you. He's like, come on in here and let's talk. (laughs) Amen? Bring him a gift of laughter. Hallelujah. Psalm 89, 15. Hallelujah. Psalm 89, 15. We want to be skilled in this flow of joy, which is a force, a a well-fortified place for our lives. It's a defense for us. Psalm 89, 15. Blessed are the faith-builders. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. I think that's us. This is, we just found ourselves in the Bible, didn't we? Yeah. Blessed is the people who know the joyful sound. And again, this word know is intimately acquainted with the joyful sound. Not just something that if I hear it, I'll recognize it, but something that I'm accustomed to in my life. That my house is accustomed to the joyful sound. The walls in my house are still vibrating with joyful sounds. Amen? In my car, the, the leather in my car, the, the dash of my car, the glass windshield in my car is acquainted with the joyful sound. Why? Because I've been making joyful noises in my car. I've been making joyful noises in my house. That all of the people in our house are used to hearing joyful noises. They're not shocked if they hear joy in my house, right? We don't want our family to be like, what, what, what? I'm not used to that. I'm not used to hearing you shout like that. We want to, oh, here they go again. (laughs) Shouting time. Hallelujah. And then everybody joins in. Why? Because it is such a custom in our house to make joyful noises that everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows what's happening. Oh, we're rejoicing. It's rejoicing. It's praise parade time. We, Lily, Lily, we have some praise parades. And it started because when I would get her up in the mornings, if she would be just a little bit grumpy in the morning, oh, no, no, honey, we get up with joy around here. And so if she was cranky or one day she was crying, she goes, Mama, I think I'm a little cranky. <laughs> I said, well, you know what time it is then. We need a praise parade. So now she'll start the praise parade. I had to, you know, retrain her that we don't train ourselves to be grumpy in the morning. We train ourselves to get up and we sing, This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. Now, even though I'm teaching this to my four-year-old, that doesn't mean it's not something that is applicable to all ages. Lord, that, that there's no reason ever for a blue Monday. There's no reason ever for a bad hair day. We're too redeemed for bad hair days. Can I get an amen? I need a witness in the house tonight. We're too <laughs> redeemed, for, we're redeemed from bad hair days. We are redeemed from sitting on the couch in our yoga pants eating a whole half gallon of ice cream. Amen. I'm redeemed from that. Redeemed from that. Don't need any binging on Netflix. Why? Because this is, every day is the day the Lord has made and it's applicable to rejoice and be glad and make joyful noises Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. This is something we're acquainted with, we're accustomed to. We have developed in our life such a response of joy that it is a natural response. And sometimes you'll hear yourself saying, praise the Lord. And somebody, you'll be at the gas station and the person on the other pump sticks their head around like, what? The person in the the checkout line behind you, you didn't even know you were saying praise the Lord. And they're like, excuse me? I was just praising the Lord. Because it's such a a response. It's that you've trained yourself to be constantly bringing forth praises out of your mouth to Him. Uh Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. The voice translation. What do we have here? Uh, I have the voice translation. It says, How happy are those who have learned how to praise you. Learned how to praise you. So knowing the joyful sound is something we learn. Knowing the joyful sound is something that we apply ourselves to to make a practice, to put into practice in our life. The message Bible says, Blessed are... Are the people who know the passwords of praise? You know, I have to, they, they require me to change my password so much, I just started a, pre- a spreadsheet to keep all my passwords. Anybody else have to keep a, a spreadsheet for all those passwords? I mean, you gotta have a different password for, to get on your banking, online banking, on, on your different apps, on your computer, your phone, everything's got a password, right? Well, did you know that praise is a spiritual password that unlocks and opens things to work for you? Blessed are those who know the passwords, the passwords of praise. Hallelujah. I, I know the password. You come to a door and it looks like that door is shut, I know the password. Trying to make something work for you and it's not wanting to work for you, I know the password. Hallelujah. Blessed are those who know the passwords of praise, who shout on parade in the bright presence of God, delighted, they dance all day long, they know who you are, what you do, and they can't keep it quiet. That's the message translation. We know him, we can't keep it quiet. Amen? That song is saying, I know, I know, and I'll testify. He's been so good to me. Amen? We can't keep it quiet. God's word translation says, blessed are the people who know how to praise you who know how to praise you. Do you think that you know all there is to know about praising God? Don't lift your hands. (laughs) None of us have reached the apex and and passed the point where we say, I am so good, there's no more you can teach me about praising God. None of us are there. None of us are there. I don't think it's possible. Personally, when I read the verse describing the throne of God and the seraphim and the cherubim that fly around the throne of God and they call out, Holy! With such a loud, thunderous praise that it shakes the rafters in heaven. I don't think it's a rehearsed holy. I don't. I don't think any of them say, I know what my line is. So when I get to this point in my, my orbit of God, I'm going to say... Holy, holy, holy. I don't think it's rehearsed. I think it is authentic that they see a side of God. That even though they have been flying around the throne for ages and ages, that they see an aspect of God that provokes a fresh praise to Him. Amen? Because the Bible says for eternity we will be seeing His demonstrations of kindness and goodness to us. Amen? So when we recognize this learning how to praise God, we also need to recognize what happens. It says when blessed are the people who know how to praise you, they walk in the light of your presence. When we learn how to praise God out of our spirit, when we learn how to rejoice Rejoicing is to do your joy again. If you repaint something, it's because it's been painted once already. If you rewrite something, it's because it was written once and it needs to be rewritten. If you rejoice, it's because you may have joyed once, but you need to do your joy again. Amen? So rejoicing... Learning how to praise God, it brings the presence of God in a greater manifestation in our lives, in the situation, in our home. Hallelujah. Why? Because do you remember the scripture in the book of Psalms that says He inhabits the praises of Israel? Or of His people, it says of Israel. We are spiritual Israel in Christ. Amen? The word inhabit means to sit upon the throne. And the praise is in the concordance, specifically singing praises. Praises that are vocally sung to God. And when we begin to lift up those songs to the Lord, songs, doesn't have to be a song you know, it can be a song that's just something stirring in your heart. That last song we sang, Keith Moore stepped up on the stage in a convention in Fort Worth earlier in the year, or last year, and sang it never been sang before. It wasn't written anywhere. It came right out of his heart, and he just sang it to the Lord. Amen? It was a, a song, the Spirit of God. We have that. Our pastor sing songs often that come just out of his spirit. And those songs, God is bringing them, stirring those songs. And when we begin to sing those songs, it invites his presence, it honors his presence, and he can sit in a place of dominion in our lives in a greater manifestation. Amen. So this learning how to praise God, the Passion Translation says, uh, I think that's the one, Blessed are the people who experience the shout of worship. They experience the shout of worship, for they walk in the radiance of your presence. So all of these, when the King James says, walk in the light of your countenance, God's Word says they walk in the light of your presence. The Passion says they walk in the radiance of your presence. Hallelujah. The Voice said they journey through life by the light of your face. In other words, as we praise God, we have a manifestation of His presence in a greater way than if we're not praising Him. He's always with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. But, you know, there are times that we sense or that we recognize His presence is in a greater manifestation than others. And it's not always just up to Him to invite that presence. It's not always just He decides to come in and bring a greater manifestation we can invite Him with our praises. Amen? Blessed are the people who have learned how to praise the Lord, who know the passwords of praise. Blessed are the people who know how to praise you. With with this in mind, let's read from Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35 is a verse, and I'm going to read 35:10 and 51:11 of Isaiah. So I want you to find them both if you would. They are almost identical, one word difference, but I want you to know they're in the Bible both times. Isaiah 35, 10, and 51, 11. The difference between the two is one word. In 35.10, it uses the word ransomed. And in 51.11, it uses the word redeemed. But we're going to read them both. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Sion. Now, Zion is representative of the church. Sion is a, a, the mount of God or the church. The, the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Sion with songs and everlasting joy, everlasting joy upon their heads. That is the appropriate dress. That's the appropriate hairstyle. That's the appropriate... In other words, when people see you, the first thing they're going to see is the joy you're wearing. It's an everlasting joy. In other words, this isn't a natural human emotion of happiness. This is an eternal force of joy that you have adorning you. You have put it on. You are wearing and are crowned with this everlasting joy. And it says, they shall obtain joy and gladness. This word obtain means to take hold upon, to secure They take hold of joy. They shall obtain joy and gladness. This is appropriate living for us. Joy and gladness. And because of that, what happens? Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Sorrow and sighing. It's hard. This is just so hard to go through. And sometimes I just feel so overwhelmed. We need some joy. That person needs some joy, right? Sorrow and sighing need to be moved out of our lives. How do we do it? How do we get that sorrow, that heaviness, that sighing, that feeling like I'm being overwhelmed, that feeling like I've got too many responsibilities, that feeling like these finances are going to get the best of me, that feeling like whatever the case may be, how do I deal with the heaviness that comes with that? I, I secure, I lay hold of, I obtain joy and gladness, and because of joy and gladness, the sorrow can't stay in a heart that's filled with joy. It'll just be driven out. That sorrow will be driven out with that that sighing and that heaviness and that feeling like I'm so oppressed and I'm just got so much going on and I just got I'm just it's too much. You got to drive it out with the spiritual force of joy. Hallelujah. Isaiah 51, 11, same, almost identical other than the word redeemed, but just so that we know where they both are located. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Sion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. I want to tell you what that word everlasting joy means because it means exceedingly joyful, exceedingly glad. Exceedingly joyful, everlasting joy, hallelujah, shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning. Mourning shall flee away, hallelujah. So this is important because it, it, this is speaking of us. Isaiah was prophesying about the people who are redeemed the people who are washed in the blood of Jesus. The blood washed have no room for heaviness. We have no room for heaviness. It's not going to benefit you to give place to it. It's not going to uh, uh, profit your life in any way, shape, or form to give one day to a heaviness. Not one day, not one hour of one day, not one minute of one hour of one day of your life do we need to give place. If we sense that heaviness, we've got to respond out of our spirit with a response of joy because we rejoice in Him based on who He is, not based on what's happening around us. So as long as Jesus doesn't change, my joy doesn't change and my rejoicing in him doesn't change. And he's not changing. Amen? So again, this is our spiritual strength. This is a spiritual strength to us and it should be the way of our life. Look at Psalm 30 and verse 11. Psalm chapter 30. Verse 11 says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. Yeah. That's a 180-degree that's shift, isn't it? Yeah. That isn't just a little bit of, of just, just a little tiny turn on the dial. That's okay. They were mourning. So we're not just going to pick them up a little bit and dust them off. We're going to take them all the way from that position of mourning where they're, they're down, they're sad, they're out, they're, 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 uh, they're so low. We're going to pick them up and we're going to put them in a totally different position of dancing. Exceeding joy, right? You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off My sackcloth and girded me with gladness. This is a a verse that tells us again gladness is something we wear. Gladness is a spiritual response that we wear. He has girded me with gladness. It's like He's wrapped me in that gladness. I wear it with me. I take it, it's something that is, is on me. I am glad. He has girded me with gladness. And the comparison is sackcloth, which again is mourning and sorrowful. L- looking at loss. Looking at sackcloth is a place of repentance, but it was also something that they they dress themselves in when they experience loss. But He takes us out of that position of sadness, out of that position of mourning and puts us in a place of exceeding joy where we are dancing and He dresses us in His gladness. Isaiah 61, Jesus quoted from Isaiah 61 in His sermon in Luke 4, His first sermon. He he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. He begins quoting from Isaiah 61, and he quotes down through Isaiah 61 and 62 about how the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then we're going to pick it up in verse 3 because this is still applicable for the kingdom. He says that because of the Spirit of the Lord being upon Jesus, because of what Jesus brings and preaches and makes available to us in our redemption, He will appoint unto them that mourn in Sion in the church. He will appoint to them to give them beauty instead of ashes. In other words, you don't have to be sorrowful and down and mourning. You can put on a smile and you can put on your joy. He'll give you beauty for ashes, The oil of joy for mourning. Do you see this contrast in the scripture? How that one is something that God gives you and one is something he takes off of you. He takes off the sackcloth and he puts on your gladness. He takes off the ashes and he puts on that smile and that countenance of joy. He takes off the mourning and he anoints you with oil of joy. Where else can you think of seeing that description, the oil of joy? Can you think of anywhere else we've heard that before, the oil of joy? It makes me think of Hebrews. Can you go with me to Hebrews real quick? Hold your place there in Isaiah and look at Hebrews chapter 2, I believe it is. This is talking about Jesus. Hallelujah. Actually, it's chapter 1, Hebrews 1, verse 9. Speaking of Jesus, You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Well, we are in Christ. Any anointing we have originated with Him. The anointing that's on you and I is His anointing. What's the anointing on Him? The oil of gladness. He was only a man of sorrows for a moment during the cross, during what He suffered on the cross. He is not a man of sorrow today. Jesus is anointed with the oil of gladness, and that's anointing, that same anointing, that is the anointing upon us, the oil of joy. The oil of gladness. Hallelujah. So if we're anointed, we're going to see it on our faith. Amen? If we're operating in that anointing, that flow of His power, we're going to be people who are strong. Isn't that what the joy of the Lord is? Strong. So strong Christians are not sad Christians. That is a a misnomer. How can you be a strong Christian if if you're always sad? There are no strong Christians who constantly sing gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression. No, that's not the song of the believer. That is not the song of the redeemed. There's a different song that we sing. We don't sing that song. No, we are anointed with the oil of gladness. And the more anointed and strong we are as believers, the more constant our joy is. The more constant. So constant joy means constant strength. If the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you remember it said the children of Ephraim turned back in the day of battle because their strength was small? It says they were armed with the bows. They had all the weapons to fight with, but they didn't have the strength to fight with. And they turned back in the day of battle because their strength. But if Nehemiah 8 equates to us what real spiritual strength is, we could say their joy was small. Their joy was small. And because their joy was small, they turned back in the day of battle. Even though they had all the weapons, they had all the equippings for victory, they didn't have the strength. The joy for the battle. Hallelujah. Joy is a well-fortified place. Joy is a defense. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Preach. I love that. The joy is something we cannot, we cannot leave it as secondary. We cannot consider it as insignificant. We've got to give place. And, and listen, when you get skilled in it, then you can, you can maintain that skill. But if, it, it may require some extra attention at the onset to get that joy developed in your life because the flesh likes Blue Mondays. The flesh likes bad hair days. The flesh likes yoga pants and half gallons of ice cream in one sitting. The flesh likes it. So what is it that is going, what part of us is going to be developing this response of joy? It's not the flesh, is it? It's not the natural side of our makeup. It's who we are in Christ. It's the spirit man who says, I know the word tells me to rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. That, that I know that this is a time for Joy. My flesh might want to be mourning, but God has anointed me with the oil of joy. He has taken off the sackcloth and He has put gladness on me, so I will be glad. I will serve the Lord with gladness. I will come into His gates with singing. I will enter into His courts with thanksgiving in my heart. Amen? Those are choices. Those are choices. Those are decisions that we make, that this is the day that the Lord has made, can you find one He didn't make? Can you find a day that God didn't author? That His fingerprints aren't on it? That He he didn't make it? Well, as long as He made every day, we will be glad and rejoice in it. (laughs) That's our response. Amen? We put it on. So Isaiah 61, He has given us He has appointed for us the oil of joy. And then it says this, The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. When we know it's talking about the righteous, it's talking about us. And it says here that He has appointed these things for us. Well, they're appointed, but we have to employ them. They're available, but we have to put them to work in our life. The oil of joy, and notice here he uses this specifically, he calls praise a garment. He calls praise a garment, something you would put on. You put it on, you know... Let's. Can I use you as an example? Would you take your jacket off? Just stand up and take your jacket off. Let's consider that this jacket is praise. And he says, well, I'm not going to praise God until I feel it. I'm not going to praise if I don't feel praise. He's not going to feel it till he puts it on. For him to feel praise, he's going to have to put on the praise and then he'll feel it. As long as he hasn't put it on, he can't feel it on him. So for him to experience joy, let's say it's joy, rejoicing. Well, I'm not going to rejoice if I don't feel joy. You're not going to feel it till you put it on. So God says, put on the garment. And now that he puts it on, he can feel it on him now. But he had to choose to put his arm in it and put it on him. Now he can sense it. So if you wait to say, well, I'm not going to praise the Lord until I feel it. You've got to put on the garment of praise. After you put it on, the feeling will follow. The decision to wear the garment precedes the feeling that I'm wearing the garment of praise. Amen? And so it says that praise is a garment that negates or resists the spirit of heaviness. He called heaviness a spirit. That there is a spiritual force of heaviness. Now listen. I do not consider depression to be something that is made up. I think it's very real. I think when people are battling depression, it is a real battle. But it's a spiritual portion to that I know that there are some people who may experience battles with depression based on medications that they've had to take that could definitely be a part of it but do you know the spiritual force of joy will help even that it will help combat even even something that's brought on because of a side effect of a medication that they're having to take the spiritual force of joy will resist that heaviness and you know that heaviness even to the point of depression, it never comes on someone necessarily as an immediate because we would recognize it. If I have joy one minute and the next minute, I have this overwhelming heaviness, I would know. Hey, that doesn't belong to me. I would know that. So heaviness doesn't come suddenly. It just little by little just a blue Monday here and a hump Wednesday here and a freaky Friday here and a bad day here, day here, just a little bit at a time, a little bit until it's got one blanket of heaviness over you and another blanket, and then one day that person turns around and says, how did I get so down? They didn't know they were giving in each little application of that heaviness. If we have trained ourselves to be, to know the joy, to know, to know the joyful sound, if that is a, a, um, a consistent operation in our life, then I am consistently resisting that heaviness and it can never gain that kind of momentum in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The garment of praise. For the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise to deal with the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise to resist the spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's important to us, isn't it? That's important to us. That we need to recognize that God has equipped us with this praise so that we can maintain this... Flow of his victory in our life. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, end with uh, a comparison. I actually, can I have two endings tonight? Let me let me see what time it is. Have mercy. Uh, let me do um, just a recap of something I've taught you before from Psalm 82, and then I'll have one one other point after that. Psalm chapter eight. Jesus was quoting this in Matthew 21, 16. And so I want to compare what he quoted and how the the New Testament uh, uh, identifies this. But we're going to look at Psalm 8 and verse 2. Psalm chapter 8 verse 2 says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength. We've been talking about strength, haven't we? Because joy is strength. You have, obta- you have ordained or appointed strength because of your enemies that you might steal the enemy. So he says that strength or joy, even in the mouth of someone who is a babe or immature or undeveloped, it can be a child or it can be a person who has not yet learned how to work the word. We're going to... Uh, uh, give a specific definition. But it says that by this joy, this strength, they can steal the enemy. So I went to the Strong's Concordance and I looked up each of these words from the Strong's Concordance and this is how this word would read if you looked up each word and wrote down the definition. This is how it would read. Out of the mouth of the young child or infant Christian... Infant Christian, so even a believer who has not become skilled in working the word to be able to quote a scripture, to be able to say it is written. Even that person, he says, out of the mouth of that young child or infant Christian, you have set up and laid a a foundation the force. So this is a force, a boldness, and a loud Strength. A force, a boldness, a loud strength, because of the enemy. So the reason that God gave us this weapon of joy is, is because of the enemy. Because of the enemy. And then the concordance goes on to define it this way: to stop him by exertion, to wear him out to make him fail or cause the enemy to cease. So someone who knows how to praise God, who knows the joyful sound, they wear the enemy out if he comes to attack them. So when the attack comes and they begin rejoicing, he's like, I can't take this anymore. Girlfriend has wore me out. I am leaving her house. Why? Because he, it is a strength of the Spirit that he cannot contend with. He can launch and launch and launch the attack. But here's what happens. If a person is sitting there saying, I've just been under attack and the enemy's coming against me and this is how it's... And you know what? When the enemy comes against you, there are feelings that come with it. The feelings are real. The feelings appear real. You know, when I was a little girl, my parents weren't saved, they weren't Christians, and they didn't they didn't monitor anything I watched, and they let me watch whatever I wanted to watch, and so I would sit up and watch all the horror movies. And I sat up when the Amityville horror came out. I watched it. And that night, I was convinced that there were pig eyes in my window. If y'all ever watched the movie, if you haven't, disregard that comment. And I kept putting the the blankets up over my head and then I just had to look at the window just to see if there was anything in that window and it was so real that fear was so real it, every noise that I probably heard every night but never paid attention to they, all of those noises were amplified and I was convinced that sounds like a window opening and that sounds like something, somebody walking in the hallway. And that sounds like somebody trying to open my door. And none of it was real, but it all felt real. And it all sounded real. But it wasn't real. And when I would get up and turn the lights on, it was evident that none of that was real. And then I'd turn the lights back on, and then the thoughts would come, and the feelings would come, and I would have this all of the symptoms of them being real i was experiencing everything as if it was really happening but none of it was real and when the enemy brings an attack against some some somebody it might feel real but that doesn't make it real that feeling is not a validation that it is actually True in your life. How do we deal with that when it feels heavy? When it feels so real? When it feels so down? How do we deal with that? We put on the garment of praise. And if we are skilled in the praising of God, then the enemy is going to encounter us in that, that battle or that attack and realize... I don't want to waste my time because every time I launch anything against them, I keep doing this and I keep doing that and they keep rejoicing. Praise the Lord. And and every time I just attack them with this and I've attacked them with that and all they can say is, Thank you, Jesus. This is the day the Lord has made. They should be crying right now. They should be worried right now. They should be chewing on their fingernails right now. They should be on the phone telling so-and-so right now. But instead, they're in there, in there dancing across the kitchen floor singing, uh, uh, the Lord has been so good to me. The scripture Jesus was quoting, it says, He has given us this joy so that we can wear the enemy out by exertion. When he quoted it in Matthew twenty one sixteen, he used the word praise. Matthew 21 is where Jesus was quoting from Psalm 82, and he used the words praise. He said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise. And perfected, in the in the Psalm 8:2, it said, You have ordained strength. But Jesus quoted, You have perfected. And the word perfected means developed or, or matured. So it's not talking about a person being perfect, it's talking about this has been brought to a completion in their life. This has been brought to a, a skill in their life. This is something that has been developed in them. So he says out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, people who don't even know how to quote the Scripture yet, they can praise God. They can develop praise. Amen? Now, my second closing, Isaiah twelve, second and last closing. I only used two tonight. How's that? <laughs> Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12. It begins, it says, In that day... In that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. So in that day, this is what they're going to say. In that day... This is how they are going to respond. And because of that, the next word in verse 3 says, therefore. Because of that is another way to say therefore. Therefore, or because you have made this declaration that you will praise the Lord, that He is your salvation, you're trusting in Him. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. So salvation, we know, is a word that means liberation. It means rescue. It means restoration. It means healing. It includes prosperity. It includes a whole life of wholeness. He says, you will draw water out of that well. How do I draw water out of this well of rescue, this well of supply, spiritual supply for my life? How do I draw water out of it? There's only one container that can access it. There's only one one spiritual uh, uh, transport system that brings it out of that well and into manifestation in my life with joy. With joy, you will draw water out of this salvation. With joy, you'll draw your salvation out. With joy, you'll draw your healing out. With joy, you'll draw your answer out. With joy, you'll draw out your rescue. With joy, you'll draw out restoration. Hallelujah. With joy. So joy is not only a defense for us, not only has God ordained and perfected joy in the life of a believer to wear the enemy out, not only has He provided it as a garment for us to wear to resist the spirit of heaviness, amen, but it is also an access to a spiritual supply. It is the spiritual force that brings into manifestation these supplies for us. And then it goes back to telling us how to do it. Verse 4, he begins to tell you how to joy. How to do joy. He said, in that day you'll say, praise the Lord. So number one, what do we want to do? We want to say Praise the Lord. Verbally, out of our mouth, praising God. Hallelujah. Number two, call upon His name. Call upon His name. Hallelujah. To call upon His name is, is to ask Him for the help. To call upon His name is to recognize He's the source of my supply. I call upon the name of the Lord. Number three, it says, Declare His doings among the people. Declare His doings among the people. If you've ever read the book, How to Write Your Own Ticket with God by Brother Hagan. in that teaching he brings out the importance of testifying what God has done for you. And, and the Lord had taken him to the specific scriptures where they not only used their faith to confess the end from the beginning or to call it like the woman with the, the, uh, uh, that we read from Mark chapter 5 who was healed of the issue of blood. She said to herself, If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She went through the press, touched the hem of his garment, was made whole, and then she told it all. See the example of her giving testimony. And then uh, we see in uh, the battle against Goliath that that David used his faith and he said this day you're going to be like, he'll be like the bear. And he said to, specifically to Goliath what he was going to do to him. I'm going to take your head off your shoulders. He confessed it. But at the end it said that they went around telling what David had done and even made songs about what David had done. The power in telling that testimony. So declaring God's doings is one way of establishing joy in your life. Talking the problem establishes the sadness or the worry or the discontent about the problem. But talking about what God has done positions you with a greater strength to receive more of His doings in your life. Hallelujah. So practice talking about what God has done. Practice talking about how He made a way, how you got a prayer answered, how how God did. And it may seem like, well, that happened whenever. Say it again. Tell it again. Look what the Lord has done. And then it says make mention that his name is exalted. Well, that's different than calling upon the name of the Lord. That's, that's putting his name in a position of honor. Calling upon the Lord is, is calling upon his help in your situation, recognizing him as the source in that situation. But exalting his name is uh, establishing his authority over your life. And then it says this, sing unto the Lord. So now we have ways to joy: Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His doings among the people, make mention that His name is exalted, sing to Him. For He has done great things. Amen? He has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, you inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One in the midst of thee. Hallelujah! Let's be skilled in our joy. Let's be skilled. And again, I don't. I, I'm not interested in having you express it in this service as much as I'm interested in you going home and becoming so skilled in joy in your daily life that your family is used to hearing it, that that you are flowing in that joy, and you're defended. You're kept by that place of strength that you develop in your life. I want you strong. I want you strong. I want you strong. And so if you're strong, what are you going to be? Joyful. A, joyful, a strong believer is a joyful believer.